everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So we are um, starting a brand new series, a uh, brand new series that we call The Rally Cap. The Rally Cap. Now, uh, just show of hands, who's familiar with the Rally Cap? Who knows when I, when, I, when I throw up Rally Cap? Okay, okay, good. A lot of you are familiar with this term, Rally Cap. So the Rally Cap um, is, originated from uh, baseball. It started in, in, the, in the baseball uh, tradition. And um, as a matter of fact, doing some research and, and study on the Rally Cap, so if you're not exactly sure, it, it can come with various forms and different different shapes and sizes, the rally cap. But traditionally, traditionally, the rally cap is when you take your, your baseball cap and you turn it inside out. And the reason why you take your baseball cap or baseball teams take their baseball cap and turn it inside out is because they're trailing, they're down, they're losing. And so they're, they're looking for something to spark them to get back into the game. They're looking to do, it's, a, it's, a, it's an old, old superstitious tradition from baseball. And, and what, basically what it, what it means what is, is, is this, is that when when they do this, what they're doing is they're saying, you know what, I'm willing to, you know what, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, and if I have to look foolish, if I have to look goofy, if I have to look silly, you know, with my rally cap, in order for us to win, that's what I'm willing to do. Like, we're going to turn inside the brand, or, like, it's not about the brand now, and it's just about winning, it's just about having victory, um, and so we're going to do whatever it takes in order for us, um, and, and in, in the traditional sense, or in the superstition sense in order for us to if I have to look goofy to appease the the baseball gods there's no baseball gods uh, to appease the baseball gods and that's what I'm willing to do and so just so you know and maybe you already know this but the rally cap originated by the Detroit Tigers the original the original uh, rally cap or how it began the origin of it was by the Detroit Tigers it was in 1945, 1945, and the, the Detroit Tigers were uh, playing in the World Series against the Chicago Cubs, and it was game six, and they were trailing in game six of the World Series, and so what, what was overheard on the radio was the, the announcer saying that there's a weird thing happening amongst the players in the dugout. They all have their baseball caps inside out. And as after that was announced over the radio in 1945, the Tigers were trailing in game six by a couple runs. They score four runs in that inning, including a, an, a, a crazy unheard of error that took place by the first baseman of the Chicago Cubs. The ball it was a slow rolling ball that went right through the first baseman's leg. And I'll share another story of how the rally cap came into play next week for another famous situation that happened in baseball history of a first baseman that allowed the ball to go right through his legs as well. And so they ended up coming back, winning game six, and then back in game seven, the Detroit Tigers were losing in that game as well, but they, they flipped their hats around and they put on their rally caps and they came back from behind and the Detroit Tigers 
won the 1945 World Series because of the rally cap. <laughs> At least that's what they think. The rally cap is we all need something in order for us to give us a spark to turn things around that need to be turned around. All of us feel like there's areas in our life, I know I do, all of us feel like there's areas in, my, in our life that we need to, we need a spark, we need a boost, we need a push, we need something that we can do in order for us to give us the best chance of experiencing and having wins in our life and victories in our life. And oftentimes we feel like, I know I do, we're trailing, we're behind, we need, to, we need something. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to share with you some stories in the Bible of some greatest rally cap moments, or maybe you're familiar with this terminology, the greatest comebacks of all time, the greatest comebacks of all time. And so the, this is what we're going to talk about, because all of us could use a comeback. All of us could use some comebacks when it comes to relationally, financially, uh, you know, our careers, our, our personal life, our health, all of us could use some comebacks because we feel like we're just behind. We're just behind. Are you with me so far on where we're going? Okay, good. Okay. So rally cap. Story number one is we're going to look at. It's a very, very familiar story. You've, you've heard it before. been in church before. You know where I'm going. So now Moses was was pasturing the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then it says this, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not being consumed. Verse 3, so Moses said, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight. Why the bush is not burning up, right? Let's, we got to read it how it's written, right? Wow, what a marvelous sight. Why isn't this bush burning up? Exclamation point. You would do the same, right? Verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he says, here I am. And then he says this in verse 5. He says, then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Next verse. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7. And the Lord said, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their outcry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. Verse 8, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay, time out. Here's what you need to know. Here's what we need to start with, okay? And here's what's important for all of us as we, before we move forward. Based on what we just read, here's what you need to know. God is aware of your situation. He feels your pain and wants to lead you in a comeback. God is aware of your situation. He feels your pain and he wants to lead you in a comeback. And so it's rally cap time. It's rally cap time. 
whatever it looks like, whatever it takes, whatever, you know, I, I need to do. It's, God is aware of your situation. He feels your pain, and he wants to lead you in a comeback. So here's what God says to Moses next. Here's what he says, verse 10. And now come, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. At this point, Moses is, has seen this bush that is not being consumed, even though it's fire. And he's hearing the very voice, the audible voice of God out of this bush. And now he's, he's hearing God tell him, Moses, that he's going to now go back to Egypt. And he's going he's to send him to Pharaoh and to bring his people out of Egypt. Egypt and to a, you know, promised land, a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, at this point, I would imagine that Moses is now having a flashback 40 years earlier. Moses is thinking, wait a second. I, there, first of all, there's a bush talking to me and it's on fire and it's not being consumed. And now this bush is telling me that I need to go and I need to deliver God's people out of Egypt. And he's thinking back of when he tried to take matters in his own hands 40, 40 years earlier. And here's what, we'll, here's what he's probably thinking about in, in Exodus 2.11. Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went to his fellow Hebrews and looked uh, at their hard labors, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his fellow Hebrews. This is important. This is the way that Mo Moses saw himself and, and saw his fellow Hebrews, okay? Verse, uh, next verse. So he looked this way and that, and when he saw that there was no one around, he struck and killed the Egyptian and hid his body in the sand. Now, this is what Moses is thinking about. He's thinking about 40 years earlier, he was there in Egypt. He was the prince of Egypt. He was the son of the, the, uh, of the adopted daughter of Pharaoh. And he sees one of his own people be mistreated. And he kills that Egyptian, buries that Egyptian in the sand. And now he's thinking, wait a second, God. You're now telling me that I have to go back I have to go back there. So here's, we get a little bit of an insight of why Moses did what he did, why Moses acted the way that he acted in, in Exodus 2 by a Hebrew writer that understood exactly why Moses did what he did. And the Hebrew writer tells us this. The Hebrew writer says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He didn't identify with the Egyptians. Even though he was the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, that's not where his identity was. His identity was still in God's people. That's what he was. And then it says this, the Hebrew writer says this, choosing rather, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the temporary pleasures of sin. Then he says this, verse 26, Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking 
to the reward. This is the mindset of Moses. This is what is going through Moses' mind. I, I, would, I would rather, you know, identify myself with God's people, be ill-treated with God's people, than to give in to the pleasures of sin or give in to the pleasures of this world. I will rather take on the reproach of Christ, according to the Hebrew writer, than to have the greater, and have those greater riches, than to have the treasures of Egypt. Because Moses' perspective was a lot different than most of our perspective. Our perspective is, is a framework of this life, this life that we live. But Moses' fr framework and Moses' perspective was on a reward, a reward beyond this life. Moses was willing to endure this life in knowing that he was made and he was created and he was designed for something bigger, for something bigger. Back to his flashback. So then it happens in this, back to Exodus 2, 13. Now he went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. He couldn't understand why that would be happening. And he said to the offender, why are you striking your companion? Like, you guys are, you guys are family. You guys are brothers. You guys are, 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 are part of the same, you know, nation. Why would you do that? Verse 14. But he said, who made you? a ruler and a judge over us. Such a fortuitous thing to say because eventually we'll find out God made him over them, ruler and judge over them. Then he says this, do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So now here, again, you got to get this feel, okay? Moses is trying to help and Moses is trying to do his part as a prince in Egypt. But even his own people are rejecting him. Even his own people are rejecting his help. And then he says this. Then Moses was afraid and said, surely the matter has become known. Verse 15. When Pharaoh heard about this matter, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. And that's where he left off. He was in Midian, tending to his father-in-law's sheep at Mount Horeb, also known as the Mountain of God. And so now at this point, I'm sure he's thinking about that, those, those flashbacks. He's thinking about th that time that he tried to put his, you know, tried to do the best he could in the position that he had to no avail. You know, he, even his own people said, we don't, we don't need your help. You're not judge. You're not ruler over us. They rejected him. Pharaoh find, found out he tried to kill him. Moses fled, flees, and he's now at the backside of the mountain of God for 40 years, tending to sheep of his father-in-law's. And so God's probably going, Moses, come on. Are you with me? Did you hear what I said? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sending you back. And Moses is going, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. Like, I tried. I'm like the most wanted killer in Egypt. You're sending back number one most wanted man back into Egypt. And by the way, 
God's people, they, don't, they didn't want my help. They didn't want my help 40 years ago, and now I'm an 80-year-old man. You think they're going to listen to me now? You think they're going to listen to me now? I mean, I was like young and sprightly and 40 years old. You know, I had like energy and enthusiasm. Now I've just been tending to sheep for 40 years, just living out the last days of my life. And you're wanting to send me back. And absolutely. God says, listen, listen, Moses, let me just tell you again. Let me tell you again what I want you to do. Verse 10. Um, he says, and now come and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. And of course, this is Moses' response, right? Verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. Verse 12. And he said, assuredly, I will be with you. So when it comes to rally caps... And when it comes to comebacks, oftentimes we think, man, we're really behind. There's no chance. We can't make it back. There's no way to have victory here. There's no way to have a win here. There's no chance at all. I'm just going to play out the last few days of my life. And I'm just going to be, you know, do whatever I need to do. And this is what Moses was at. This is where Moses was, was his, his mindset. Just going to be a shepherd. Going to tend to sheep. With my, for my father-in-law, and that's what I'm going to do. But God says, no, no, no. I've got to come back for you. I've got to come back for you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. And, and I want you to know, Moses, I will be with you. So the, bu- the bush was an object lesson that went right over Moses' head. And to be honest, it's an object lesson that goes over my head and it goes over your head too. Because here's the object lesson that God was wanting to show Moses, and he's wanting to show you so that you can know that you can also make a comeback in your life. That no matter what you've done, no matter how far behind you think, you can also make a comeback and experience victory in your life. No matter how young you are or how old you are, God has a comeback story for you if You want it, if you want it. So here was the object lesson that went right over our heads, and it went right over Moses' head, but here's what it is. God takes insignificant bush, sets it on fire, and gives it a purpose. God takes an insignificant bush, sets it on fire, ignites it, and gives it a purpose. Are you with me? Okay, let me clarify. The burning bush was Moses. Moses, you're an insignificant bush, but I'm going to ignite you, and I'm going to give you a purpose. Let me get specific. The burning bush is you. It's you. I'm going to use an insignificant bush, you, ignite it, set it on fire for the glory of God, 
give you a burning passion and a desire inside to want to live a victorious life. And I'm going to give it a purpose. Are you seeing it? Do you see the object lesson? This is what God is saying to Moses, and this is what God is saying to you. This is the insignificant, who we are, insignificant, but God, when he ignites something inside of us, can give you a purpose. Here's what Paul wrote to his first letter in Corinth. And the, here's, this is, and the insignif- insignificant things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. Why? Why does God use insignificant things? Why does he choose insignificant things? to the, the Things that are not so that they, he may nullify the things that are. Why? Here's why, verse 29. So that no human may boast before God. So that you, you and I can't boast. But here's the thing. God has a purpose. God has a plan for your life. No matter how far behind you think you are, God has a comeback story in mind for you. And the reason why that God can have a comeback story in mind for you is because God loves to use insignificant things so that those insignificant things, humans, can't boast about anything that they did, but only boast about what God did. So Even when your story seems so bad, so bleak, and you feel like, I can't come back from this, this is what God is saying. I love that story because God loves to use stories where it feels hopeless and you feel like you're counted out and God's going, you just trust me. You just lean into me. You just allow me to put my weight into you and you can make a comeback. Right? So how many of you um, remember or have done for your kids the underdoggy on the swings? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, the underdoggy, right? You remember this, right? And your kids, you put your kids on the swing and, you know, and they're, and they're just like learning to swing and they're trying to like figure it out. They're trying to like pump their legs and pull their arms, you know, and they're just trying and then they're like, they're just realizing they're just not getting, an, you know, enough momentum to do that. And then, and then you, you know, as a dad or a mom or a grandparent, you come up from behind them, you know, you know this, and you come up from behind them and you use all of your strength and you use all of your weight and you just, and then you, they go up high, and you go down under, right? It's the underdoggy. The underdoggy, right? This is exactly what God wants to do for us. 
God says, listen, you, I know you're, like, you're on that swing and you're like trying to kick your legs and pump, pump your arms and you're trying to get that. But you know what God says? You know what I want to do? I want to get and I want to give you my weight. And really, that's what the glory of God is all about. When we, when we talk about the glory of God and doing things for the glory of God, it's, it's, it's that idea. The idea of God putting his weight behind it. It's God putting his strength behind it. It's God going, listen, I want to I wanna allow you to soar. I want to I give you that, that push. I want to give you that momentum for you to go and to fly. Anybody ever give too much push and too much weight where you think for a second that your kid's going to just flip off the swing? I've been there many times with my kids. I've, had, I've done it to where my kids go, Dad, no more, no more, no more, no more. Dad, I'm going to flip around the swing here. This is what God is saying to you and to me. I'm going to take something insignificant, and I'm going to put my weight behind it. And I'm going to give you that boost and that push. And you know what my kids can never say? They can never yell out, look what I did. Because they know that when they're as high as they can go on that swing, it had nothing to do with their strength. It had everything to do with the strength of their father who said, I'm going to let you, I'm going to put you, I'm going to get you a place where you have a smile on your face going, wow, this is incredible. You and me, you'll never get there. But if you want to make a comeback, it's saying, God, with you with me, with you giving me that weight, with you giving me that push, I can go higher, I can soar, and I can have victory like I've never, ever experienced before. And none of us, none of us can say, I did it. It was me. All of us will get to a place where we go, that only had to be God. And when it comes to your comeback, and when it comes to you needing a rally, you need God. And you need God's weight to push you ahead. You know, you have the ability. Everyone has the capability for two important abilities. Okay? Everyone has the capability for two important abilities. Here's the two important abilities that you need for this. Okay? Here's the two important abilities. Number one, availability. I think availability is the best ability. <laughs> Just being available. Being available. God, I'm available to you. God, whatever you want from me, I'm available to you. The other ability, teachability. Teachability. In order for you to see and experience God's weight behind what you need to do and where you need to come back, where you need to rally, you got to have availability to God, and you got to be teachable. Teachable. God, whatever you want to do with me, God, I surrender my life to you. Availability and teachability. Those are the most important abilities you have. And everyone in this room and everyone watching at home or online or whenever you're watching, you have these. 
You have the capabilities of these abilities. Availability and teachability. Let's go on with the story. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, Well, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Then, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, This is what you shall say to the sons of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Then it says in verse 15, God furthermore said to Moses, this is what you shall say to the sons of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Has sent me to you. Now, the, the phrase I am who I am is, it means to be or to become. Or in other words, it means to be, he, that he was, what he was saying to Moses was, tell them that I am the self-existing one. Tell them that's who I am. I am the self-existing one. In other words, for me, I, there was no beginning and there's no end. I am the, and what we read in Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and I am the end. You Tell them that's whom I've called. And tell them that, that you, can, you can call on me. That's what he was saying to them. Now, that's great news for us. Why? Because he look at, like he says, he says, who's your go-to person to call? Does anybody have a go-to person to call? Does anybody call somebody like when you're, when you're like down and out or have a need or whatever the circumstances is? Like who is that person that you can call? Who is that person that you get on the phone? Maybe it's a parent or a grandparent or, a, a, you know, a friend or a coworker. You know, maybe it, it, it's, a, it's a doctor. Maybe it's a counselor or maybe it's a pastor. Whoever, who is that go-to person that you can call? But look at, look what he says. Look what he says. He says, this is my name forever, and this is the name for all generations to use to call upon me. Now, I don't know about you, but how good of news is this? How good of news is this? Listen, you may have something, someone really important in your phone that you can call. Okay, you may have somebody like really important, really special, really like wow. If you, if I saw who who that contact that you, I had, you had in your phone, and I I would be so impressed, right? Like because you they're 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 smart, they're famous, you know, they have influence or whatever that case is. Like so, who who is it that you call? That that's that's always an option for us. But here's the thing: the I am who I am is available for your call. Yahweh, the creator, maker, sustainer, life giver, redeemer, and friend, the alpha and the omega, the self-existing one, the first and the last is available to you and to me to call.
So I don't know who your go-to person is that you call, but here would be my recommendation. And you don't need a phone for this. Father, in heaven, and you know what he'll say? I am who I am. Holy is your name. I am who I am. You lead the greatest comebacks in history. I am who I am. My need seems so insignificant. But you tell me you care. I am who I am. What an option for all of us. Especially when we feel like we're down and out and done. You can make a call to the great I am. Because he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and you. Me? Uh Uh-huh. He's available to you. And what he wants for us, here's what he wants. And here's what he was telling Moses. God always will be, always was, and always is the God of a better place. You know what God always wants for you? He always wants you to have and to experience a better place, a better position. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, he always wants you to have that promotion at work. It doesn't necessarily mean that he wants you to have a bigger house and more money in your bank account and a better 401k. That's not what he's talking about. He's he's talking about he, he just wants you to find that joy and that peace and that goodness and that richness of life. That, that richness that's only found in an intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father. He wants you in that better place. That's where He wants you. Look what He says. Look what it says in, ver- in verse 13 or 12. And He said, Surely I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you. This is to be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. You know what God says? Here's the sign that I'm going to give to you. You're not going to have the sign beforehand. You're going to have the sign afterwards. That's so important for us to understand. The signs don't often happen beforehand. The signs happen afterwards. You know oftentimes what happens to all of us? We don't recognize when that God is in it until we're through it. Is this true? We oftentimes see God in the rear view 
But we always try to look for God ahead of time. But it's not until we take that step of trust and that step of faith and then say, say, God, I believe you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about this, but I believe you. Is when we see God is in it the whole time. And this is what he's saying to them. And you know, what, you know what's so cool about this? That what God promised to Moses, it happened. God went, or Moses went through everything that God told him to go through. And you know what happened? You know what the sign was when they got back to the mountain where, where Moses was on the backside of the mountain of God? They eventually got back to that place where God met Moses with the burning bush. And you know what happened once they, they got back to that place? And you know what the sign was? The sign was God told Moses to take a rock and to strike the rock so that water can flow out of that rock so all of God's people can get something to drink. And what Moses saw and remembered in that, mo- in that moment was this. God, you said you were going to be with me. God, you said you were going to come through for me. And you did. And when this moment, when you said the sign will be for me, when we get back to this mountain of God, the sign was it was striking a rock and it was water coming out of that rock and it was all of God's people being able to thirst and to drink from that rock and to, and to continue to drink from that rock. God is always good on his promises and God always wants a better place for that's what the, the that's why God's like I, I want you out of Egypt which is a picture of the world I want you out of Egypt and I want to take you to a better land remember it was a spacious land and apparently to them at that time having some space that still sounds good to us doesn't it like I wish I had more space I have no more space Yeah, this is what God wants. God has a better place for me. I want more space. But also at that time, I don't know, it doesn't necessarily sound as awesome to me, but it sounded awesome to them. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. I like milk. And I like honey. But to them, they were like, that's amazing. You mean we don't have to live in this slavery anymore? That, God, you have a better place called freedom. Hello? God, we don't have to live in this oppression anymore. And said, God, we have a better place called victory. God, we don't have to live in this confined space. And said, now you have a better place called a spacious land. God, we don't have to eat mud pies and drink from contaminated water. God, you're going to give us milk and honey. I taught this Wednesday night to a group of kids, and I ta- it was just, I don't know, part of the lesson. They talked about milk and honey or whatever. They talked about milk and honey. And some kid goes, milk and honey? He goes, I love milk and honeycombs. <laughs> so he said, I go, me too. <laughs> just for fun. But he, he got it. It clicked. He said, God has something better. Listen, he's got a comeback story for you. And it's going to be historic. 
and he's got a better place. Don't continue to live where you're living because you think it's over. It's never over with God. We have a God of the comeback. Is any insignificant person in this room fired up right now like I am? There we go. Thank you. Come on, everybody. That's the point of the bush. Moses was going, me? Yahweh? I can talk to you? I can call you friend? You hear me? 40 years in this desert, now you're sending me back to Egypt and you're going to use me and give me a purpose at 80 years old? And God's going, yes! Let's go! (laughs) Rally cap time, Moses! I don't know what that looked like for Moses. It was his turban inside out or not. I'm not really sure. But I'll go, let's go with it. Come on, everybody. It's not over. It's not over. God wants to lead a charge in you. And you say, how do I, how do I apply this? I know that's what you're thinking, right? What do I do with this? Okay, I'm an insignificant person. God wants to ignite me. God wants to give me a purpose. And also God wants to lead me into a better place. And he's accessible to me. I can make a call to him that I can't call anybody else. But I can call Yahweh and he hears me. And he's open to me, whatever it is that I have to say to him. Okay, so what do I do with that? I'm so glad you asked. Here's what God tells Moses. Then Moses said, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Okay, reasonable. Verse 2. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Now at this point, if it was me, I'd go, well, you're God And you should already know this. (laughs) But Moses answers, it's a staff. Because that's what shepherds had. They had staffs to lead sheep. Then look, it says. Then he said, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to throw it on the ground. So he did what God told him to do and threw it on the ground. And it turned into a serpent. At this point, Moses does what you and I would all do. Moses, thank you for the delayed setup. And Moses fled from it. What? It was just a staff in my hand. God told me to lay it down, and I did, and it turned into a snake. And Moses said, I'm out of here now. This is enough for me. And then it says this, come on back, Moses, come on back, come on back, come on back. But the Lord said to Moses, reach out with your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he reached out. Would that take more faith for you than anything else that God has asked you? (laughs) Me too, me too. 
It's only getting harder here. Reach out with your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he reached out with his hand and he caught it and, he, and, it, and it turned and it turned and it turned. There was a turn into a staff in his hand. God's saying to you and to me and asking you and me the same question. What is in your hand. I want you to take what is in your hand, meaning I want you to take what you think that you're holding on to and controlling and trying to manipulate and trying to change the circumstances all on your own strength and on your own power as if you're a toddler on a swing trying to get high and I want you to take whatever's in your hand whether it's a marriage whether it's your children whether it's your finances whether it's your career whatever it is that's in your hand God says I want you to give it to me I want you to lay it down and I want it I want it. And the reason why that God wants us to release what's in our hand is look what he says in verse 5. So that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So the question is, to us insignificant people that God wants to ignite and give a purpose, to those that God says, I want to, I always have been, I always was, I always will be. I want a better place for you. The question is for all of us is this, what is in your hand? Because, because God wants you to believe him. God wants you to trust him by releasing control of what is in your hand possession it's time to let go it's time to loosen that grip it's time to say you know what I'm I'm too far behind I'll never get it back so I'm just going to grasp and I'm just going to hold on to as tight as I possibly can the things that I think that I can control and God's going no, 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 no. If you want me to use you with a purpose, if you want me to lead you to a better place, if you want to experience that comeback in your life, it is time for you to let it go and you give it to me. It's time for you to decide, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just going to give it back to God because every time that I grab a hold of it and every time I squeeze it and every time I control it, it just doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. The marriage doesn't work. The kids, the, the family doesn't work. The career doesn't work. The responsibilities I have don't work. And God's going, that's right. You're only getting so high on that swing but I want to come up behind you like a father and I want to give you that underdoggy because I love an underdog story. I love a comeback. 
And I want to do for you what you can't do for yourself. So you got to lay it down. God, it's yours. It's yours. Anything we have anyways, people, is already God's. And when Moses laid that staff down and it turned into a serpent and he picked it up again, it turned. And you know what it turned into? You know what it turned into? Look what it turns into. Exodus 4.20. Look what it says. So Moses took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. He did what God told him to do. Look what it says. And Moses also took the staff of, say it with me, God. Just a few verses earlier, what's in your hand? A staff. No, 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 Moses. You lay that staff down and you pick it up again. And when you pick it up again, when you pick it up again, it's going to turn and it's now going to be a staff of God in your hand. Because, because comebacks come out of God's hands, not our hands. So for the next few weeks, it's rally cap time. It's rally cap time. And God has a comeback story that he wants to tell in your life. But it's got to leave your hand. And it's got to be given and put in the hands of Yahweh. What's his name? His name is I am who I am. That's his name. And you can call on him. Whew. If that hasn't lit in a fire inside of you and given you a new purpose of what to do with, it, with what's in your hand, I don't know what else will do it. I don't know. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we are sinners. We are broken. And we all fall short. We need you. We need you. I pray that we're not we don't get to a place where Moses was just content, just a content to just live out his days. But instead, realize that you are calling us into having a passion ignited for your fame and your glory and your honor and to live our days with a purpose, with a purpose. Knowing that, knowing that you always, always want for us to have and to experience in this life a better place and not to settle in Egypt, but that you want to lead us to the promised land. Not to settle for being in slavery or bondage, but you want to lead us to freedom. In spite of our past, in spite of our poor choices, 
And in spite of everything that we feel like it just has counted us out, God, you love a comeback story. And so we're putting on our rally caps. And we're believing you. And we're trusting you. As we release to you, as we let go and give to you what is already yours. Because you're asking all of us, God, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? I pray that we give it to you, every one of us, in Jesus' name.